0: Wellity, wellity, wellity. Look who it is. It's you back again with your ears Ted TBD with John and Aaron. I'm John. I'm Aaron. He is, I can confirm. I can see him on screen and he is wearing the same hat as the other day. So I think it's still the same guy, but, uh, you know, that's, that's just a general, general rule I use.
1: And a general Easter egg to our, one of our other mini episodes. I don't know which order we're going to release these things in. So it could have been uh, a previous one you've listened to, or it could be you know coming up soon. So hang on tight to uh, figure out what John's hat reference in his uh, inability to recognize me for any other feature of my face uh, after knowing him for years it has to do with it. We're back with another mini episode. Um, these sort of small thought experiments and paradoxes and things that sort of fill up our our waking hours and um, become the scripts to my nightmares. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) This one um, is called The Paradox of Tolerance. John, do you mind recapping for listeners uh, what a paradox is, in fact, before we get into what this specific paradox is?
0: A paradox, eh? Well, let me define it for you. A paradox is essentially when two incompatible truths come into conflict. So you can't hold uh, two incompatible truths at the same time and
1: you're left with a paradox or well, so is my understanding. Yeah, that would be good. So it's sort of like having an apple <laughs> and, that, and and maybe the apple has red and green on it, but for some weird reason, there is a, a test given to you that makes you select Uh, multiple choice what color is the apple and and red and green are on there but you're told you're only allowed to select one and there's only one correct answer and the test is for some reason infallible and you'll put your Uh, hand up and you'll say sir how do I answer
0: this it's a paradox and your teacher will nod at you and go just read the
1: question carefully yeah and then go back to sipping their coffee and uh, (laughs) looking busy at their desk little insight into Mr Aaron's classroom oh god come on now I'm better than that I would, have, I would have then reached into my desk and pulled out two ducks and be like, no, this is a paradox. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you would. I've seen i those would. ducks.
1: Uh, yeah, they have been waiting and some would say dying a long time to be used. Uh, unfortunately, this doesn't come up very often. Mm. Um, so today, uh, we're going to be talking about a very specific paradox. And this paradox is called the paradox of tolerance. In um, this paradox uh interestingly sort of states that in a world where tolerance, absolute tolerance, where we're going to tolerate everything, we're going to allow every different uh, idea and iteration of those ideas to exist and they're going to be welcome. Then that society is is doomed to failure because what it will include in its tolerance is intolerance. Um, And so this idea that by tolerating intolerance, intolerance has a way of, of very naturally by its definition, stamping out tolerance. And I should take a pause here and apologize to the listener because you're gonna be hearing variations of tolerance and intolerance so many times that even while I'm speaking it, I have like, uh, I'm following up behind myself with like a buffer to make sure that what I'm saying is making sense. And it does, I think, so far. But it's going to get re- really weird if it hasn't
0: already. Um, yeah, I think uh, you've defined it pretty well there, this this tolerance paradox. Because, of course, in our society, we, we don't tolerate a lot of things, but we do tolerate a lot of things at the same time. So something we might not tolerate would be, say, murder, right? We don't tolerate murder. Uh, we generally say, and this is, of course, can be, can be found to not be true all the time because in some societies there is a death penalty. However, we generally consider murder to be something that we don't tolerate. However, many societies would tolerate um, what might be defined as abnormal cultural practices. So, for example, abortion is tolerated in some places, not tolerated in others. Um, and so you sort of have this spectrum of societies with levels of tolerance. So if we take that as something we can use to help us understand tolerance or context for tolerance in this paradox the idea is that if you let tolerance go all the way to the end of the line where you tolerate everything including intolerance which is actually beyond murder beyond abortion beyond all these things then it eats itself like the snake eating its own tail is that a correct
1: understanding or a total misunderstanding? No, I think you got it. I mean, the the mechanisms for how that takes place, I guess, is part of the debate and part of the confusion. Because this, again, it is largely a thought experiment. We've never had uh, a, a completely tolerant idea, or our society. Sorry. So, and again, this doesn't have. To, this doesn't necessarily. I should be clear that it does apply to a society. It's not necessarily about the one individual who claims to be tolerant of everything will be destroyed in some way I guess they can they can sort of that's up to them in their own sense of self but the idea that a society cannot function being entirely tolerant this kind of came comes out in a lot of different forms um, it's existed um even Immanuel Kant had things to say about this in his writings to a lesser extent but the um the big writer who sort of seizes on this is in 1904 1945 um Karl Popper um Wrote um, a text called *The Open Society and Its and Its Enemies*, um, sort of talking uh, talking to Plato, um, but he's only sort of seizing this idea of saying that this unlimited tolerance would doom a society to become intolerant, because as you said, those people who don't tolerate would sort of fester and spread, mm. and, and you'd be allowing them to. You'd be while also not for, cause you wouldn't force your views on anybody because you don't have any views. Your view is just that all views are good, including if your views are hateful. So those mm-hmm. views, those views like to- intolerance seems to spread by like p- forcing people into its shape. Yes. Because it's an intolerant,
0: intolerant person, sorry to cut you off. No, good. Um, an intolerant person can't abide tolerance in others. So one of the ways we define someone who's intolerant is that they don't tolerate it, that they go out and they actively seek to promote intolerance, look to replicate their own opinions across society. So we might use an historical example. It's very, very hack and an obvious one. But the rise of Hitler in Germany through the 30s and the rise of Nazism, which I think we could pretty easily define as quite an intolerant um, political ideology came to rise during Weimar Germany, which is uh, the term used for the period in the 1930s, in the 20s as well, when Germany in post-World War I but before World War II, was quite an open and free society. In fact, it was very, very liberal and tolerant for the standards of the time. Um, And the political powers at the time saw Hitler as a threat to this tolerance and saw the Nazi Party, the National Socialists, as a threat to this tolerance, but tolerated... His intolerance, and in fact, brought him into the fold, thinking that by tolerating him, that they would be able to, I guess, ameliorate his impact on larger society. Whereas, if you left him unchecked, there would be anarchy or civil war, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, by bringing him into the fold, so to speak, politically, he actually dismantled that system of tolerance and built a system of intolerance in its place. Um, and I can't help but think that Karl Popper would have been influenced by that having just happened historically uh, on the scene. So I'm not saying that's a perfect example, but it helps me understand that concept, that if I tolerate, or so rather if a society tolerates an intolerant intolerant group, by doing that, you normalize and allow their intelligence to spread like a disease.
1: Yeah, it seems to be like you sort of, you normalize it and you make it okay. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of how we, it's how a lot of Western powers handled Hitler in his early days and how a lot of Western powers handle despots and tyrants now is you sort of like you you, this like white gloved approach of like being gentle with them. And maybe, you know, you sanction a few people, you never sanction them. You know, you, you, you sort of try to like, just keep them calm and keep, they try to mitigate the damage that they could, arguably do but at the same time then you, they still have this stamp of world leader leader of their country and like everyone recognizes them as such and so that gives them the the gateway or the approval to be out in the open a little mm-hmm. bit um about their ideas so yeah i guess the, uh, the flip side would be if there's a group in society that's that's not tolerated, their behavior is illegal, then it goes underground. And that can be problematic in its own way, as we've seen, like in like wars on drugs, where drug trades go underground, and it becomes super difficult. You can't track it, you know, terrorist cells go underground and these sort of things, but at the same time, it's very clear to society that those that to, to join a group or to get involved in a trade that's, that's illicit and it's underground, you know, you're doing something wrong. Mm, like a, a sort right. of, like, oh, you can do it if you want to. We really don't want you to, but you know, we if you want to, you can. It's above board at that point, and so it, it seems like a much more viable option.
0: Yeah. So, and one thing there, you're saying it's a, it's the the difference being that one participating in illicit drugs today or trading in illicit drugs in pretty much every country, you have to participate in a parallel society essentially, and that you aren't actually um, moving into the tolerant mainstream there. You're doing something intolerant. You're trying to spread that, but you're spreading that in a parallel way. What we're talking about is that if you then tolerated perhaps that behavior or um, that subculture, you would bring it into the mainstream and you would change uh, where toleration levels sit, right? So there might be a more benign example, for for example, in the US where marijuana in many states has become... Uh, A non illicit drug, so it's taken off, you know, that schedule of of outlawed narcotics and brought into the mainstream. And that's probably too soon to make any conclusion. And I'm no authority on the subject at all, but it'll be interesting to apply some of the things we're talking about here to something there where you are tolerating something that was previously defined by law and society as
1: intolerable. No, it's true. Yeah, Canada similarly has is or it's, it's a legal substance and even right away, you see certain people um, who were maybe operating in the, in the shadows of maybe the illicit drug trade now are corporate CEOs, right? Running these huge, because they, they spent their lifetime understanding how these sorts of things work. Um, so you're, you you're given a level of legitimacy and potentially again, this is, you know, the different, that specific legal thing is, is a different topic, but, Certainly, I think we can say that the the increased toleration um, of Canada, in this case, or parts of the U.S. or other countries in the world, has given it a legitimacy that has allowed it to spread above board, has allowed it to be like a a realistic career choice for for aspiring young young people or people looking for a career change. So it it's it seems destined to grow as a result of that and again i'm not saying this is the same kind of thing as like a hate group being allowed i do do, or hitler i'm not generally not (laughs) aligning marijuana to hitler um he would have hated it i think but i think uh, he'd be really against it yeah yeah Yeah. but again he has the same ideas you're lending an air of legitimacy to it that allows it to 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 fester and spread for better or for worse so that probably brings us to the question then
0: of where do we draw the line between something that we will tolerate and that we won't? So, so how, do, how does a society decide that? What, what measures are they, they using for that?
1: Yeah, this is hard. And I think this is where uh, my, my personal view, I suppose, and I'll probably say it wrong and misrepresent my own viewpoint, but it's the nature of live speaking here, ladies and gentlemen, um, is that you know, extremism in general is going to be problematic right? So in the same way, it's easy for me as someone who does not align with extreme, the extreme right of a lot of um, modern day Western politics. I don't like, you know, anti-immigration stances. I don't like, you know, anti-religious symbols and things like that. Um, The, that they're they're being intolerant but i don't think they're being they're not being intolerant of tolerance which is what karl popper would call for they're just being the intolerant however on the flip side of that you have extremism on the other way which karl popper is saying is is too much and for and when i try to make a real life example of that as as Thin as this ice is, and as delicate as this blade for a straight white guy to walk out onto is. And You see John getting excited to be like, "Oh, well, what's his example going to be? What's he going to step into now?" Uh, there's been a lot of talk um, around um, transgendered athletes uh, recently, and who gets to uh, compete in what gender's group, and how do we define, you know, if sex is biologically determined and it already has some some problematic areas in there and gender is a social construct then can we allow is is the olympic category of female weightlifting um a a sexual construct that's set by our biological sex or is it a gendered construct in which case someone can change over and obviously different bodies are having discussions around this about you know how when a transition happened or the amount of time that someone has to be on um, hormone supplements to kind of qualify. But a lot of times in pop culture out in the open, just to raise a, a conversation that seems even a little bit um, intolerant of it's entirely up to the athlete where and how they compete. So as soon as someone says, oh, this transgendered, uh, sprinter um, who was born um, with a male sexual identity has trans- transitioned into a female gender identity or now identifies as a, as a female wants to be a sprinter in this female relay as soon as you say well then people can jump all over you because it, it seems like as soon as you say well or as soon as you raise a question or you know try to put out a point for debate you are being intolerant I think that's the real peril here is 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 shutting it down a little bit too early and not allowing for that debate or that conversation to happen that was a long-winded example but i was uh i was nervous and uh ballet dancing gently to (laughs) not fall through a hole which i probably did anyways
0: no and i think that's a great example and and we're obviously sitting outside these examples and with as you said at the start there's no personal um Experience we can draw from, right? And the reality is that the great majority of people, I think I know enough to be able to make that claim. The great majority of people in the world don't have enough personal experience, you know, as a transgender athlete, to speak with real authenticity on it. However, just in the same way, I can not to not to trivialize this, but just in the same way, I can decide what you know, I want to eat or in the same way I can decide, you know, how I'm going to pay my taxes, I can't objectively discuss things that exist within society, right? And I think that we're always coming from a place of respect and curiosity and looking for truth. And so that example is really, really interesting because it's such a heated debate and it's so cloaked in our current uh, tone of public debate or at least the debate that we consume and what's publicly available and, and broadcast the most. And as a result, um, I think everyone's losing, even the people in the middle, even the people in the middle of that debate, such as, say, the New Zealand weightlifter recently. Um, and that's the real loser in that. Um, and an interesting one about this is that how we might apply some of the things that societies have applied in the past. So um, one concept is the harm principle. So the harm principle being, well, I can tolerate anything, including, you know, a transgender athlete. Um, I can tolerate a child under 15, maybe stealing something from a shop. They're not going to be prosecuted as an adult. Not to equate those things. Correlation is not causation. There's two examples. Um, that I can tolerate those things because they are, not causing a great deal of harm to greater society. However, I cannot tolerate someone, you know, uh, c- uh, completing a mass murder, a mass shooting, as horrible as that is, because of course that is great harm to the society. If I tolerate that, then, you know, we, you know, there's, 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 a huge harm, um, coefficient there that doesn't add up, right? So one way is to use the harm principle. However, you have to be able to define where harm lies, right? And that's where the example you bring up is so contentious. And and I would say very close to being, at this point in history, um, unanswerable at this point in history, I think, personally, because there's so much argument on all sides and that no matter which way you cut that debate, someone will get harmed.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really – it speaks to, I don't know, like the multi-level way – where, where decisions get made. Because I think, I'm sure that even though it's, an, it's, it's an, I agree with you that in many ways, it's sort of an unanswerable question, at least in terms of finding a consensus at this point. But I'm guessing that sports scientists already know the answer of like, whether or not it's an, a level playing field for those athletes under certain conditions, right? So in some levels, we have this done in the same way that, I don't know, a philosopher might be very, might be is very, very certain that a mass murder is a bad idea. However, as this gets meted out into society and all these different levels, that expertise runs up against other levels of expertise. So, well, I don't even care if it's a level playing field. I just care about, you know what it means that someone who was born a a male is is participating as a female that just that ethically doesn't 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 jive with this hypothetical individual um so so it becomes yeah this becomes so much more nebulous as it gets spread out to pop culture where, where, where expertise gets lost right and we see that similarly with Vac, like anti-vaccination stuff going on right now too, right? We, we have experts who understand the the risks and, and not the risks, but as it gets meted out, different pseudo experts or experts of different things, like maybe they're an expert of religion or an expert of manipulation or an expert of like I don't know zeitgeistiness. <laughs> uh, they all they all have their opinions too, and, and other people view their expertise as more expertise. So you'll you'll definitely find people who think that certain murders are justified unfortunately so it's that's the real problem i think with the harm principle is harm is so so subjective that when you have a society that's splintered into so many different viewpoints it'll be really hard to have a shared understanding of what is harm and what is not harm i could not agree more <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is like oh. such, I, I can even tell by how carefully we're i'm choosing my words um and listening to you it sounds like when we're talking about things like trans athletes, how hard it is to choose your words, speaks to, I think, that fear of intolerance that will quickly label discussion as intolerance. It's like a weird sort of double edged coin because, yeah, this whole idea of like virtue signaling where I need to appear tolerant at all times, whether I actually understand what that means or not. So as soon as someone appears to be Intolerant or wants to have a conversation about my tolerance, I have to not tolerate it because I'm worried that my own tolerance won't withstand simple critical thinking. Yeah. Oh, this, is <laughs> this, this is a fun one. We're having a good time.
0: It's a real challenge. It's really, really challenging because you're asking fundamental questions about the shape and existence of society, right? And it's connected mm-hmm. to so many facets of what it means to be human. And, um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, we've we've got a bit bogged down perhaps in that example, but it's such a great example, a current example of, of, of this paradox of, well, maybe not explicitly this paradox, but it's such a great um, oblique side to, to, to think about.
1: Mm. Yeah, so just maybe to bring it back to the paradox itself then. So just, again, we're, we're talking about the paradox of tolerance being that if a society was ever to be, truly all-tolerant, universal tolerance, that society will in fact crumble at the hands of intolerance. And we've talked about how the extreme of one side is a very intolerant society and how I don't think many of us would like to live in in those situations. Um, But then also the all praised kind of hypothetical of the all-tolerant society, which seems very romantic at first, still needs to draw lines at the very least around its tolerance and not tolerate intolerance, according to philosophers like Karl Popper uh, et al., if you will. Uh, <laughs> excuse my Latin abrives. Well, on that note of uh, Latin
0: abrives, as we like to call them here on TBD with John, John and Aaron.
1: Jorn. <laughs> <laughs> <No! laughs>
0: Oh, I hate when I misspeak my, um, my fiance and I sort they have a, an unwritten game and it's that if you misspeak, you get absolutely pounced on it's like there's a jaguar in every uh, corridor and, and, and wardrobe and that if you misspeak, for example, say Jerm instead (laughs) of John, you just get
1: eaten alive by the other one. This is the perils of living in a, a highly intelligent household uh many of us don't have that, that fear
0: yes the only salve is that you know you're being listened to
1: oh <laughs> that's that's really nice I, I look forward to these being somehow worked into the the wedding valves, valves? Oh, yeah. i call them valves yeah <laughs> no! the thank it's goodness okay
0: well thanks for listening everyone we hope you uh enjoyed our conversation there about the tolerance paradox and uh we hopefully didn't miseducate you any more than you were before you came in
1: (laughs) that's our goal not to just to continue with the same level of edu with miss in front of it miseducation that you've uh, already got going for you
0: take it easy out there peace out
1: peace out